Interesting. Your journey began on Craigslist. How did you get started? Um, started off when I was 15, and uh, I traded the phone for a iPod that I I got the phone for free from my buddies. Traded the iPod for a series of dirt bikes, and then you traded for a MacBook Pro, right? Yes, I traded for a MacBook Pro. Okay, and then you traded for a 1987 Toyota 4Runner. Yes. So then you traded for a souped-up golf cart, right? Yes. All right, then you took that, and you traded for a 1975 Ford Bronco. Uh, yeah. And then you traded that for the Porsche. Yeah. You're getting an awful lot of stuff, and you keep trading up. What a great and terrific story it is. Morning. It's good to see you guys. Uh, my name is Clark Jeanette, and I help lead our Young Adults College Ministry New Perspective here at the Medinis campus. Uh, if I've ever met you guys before, uh, I'd love to meet you and connect with you out in the cafe afterwards. I am so excited to uh, start, kick off this brand new three-part series with you guys, Trade Up, Exchanging Our Dreams uh, for Bigger Things. Uh, I have a lot of uh, expectations for this series. I'm hoping it's going to be engaging and, and exciting for you, and I'm really looking forward to see what God is going to do in and through us here for the next couple weeks. Before we uh, kind of uh, kick off our time together, I want to share an article with you guys that uh, kind of found a couple months ago, and it's, uh, it's fascinating. I want to share it with you real quick. I'll throw it up on the PowerPoint screen. Starting with an old cell phone a friend gave him, 17-year-old Stephen Ortiz of Glendora, California, used Craigslist to trade up 14 times over two years and eventually ended up with a Porsche Boxster. Here's how he did it. Starting with an old cell phone that was given to him for free by a friend, Stephen used the barter section of Craigslist to move up to a better phone. He then trades the phone for an iPod Touch, the iPod Touch for a dirt bike, which was turned around several times for other better dirt bikes. And then a MacBook Pro arrived, which opened the door to vehicles. The MacBook Pro was traded for a Toyota 4Runner, which was then bartered for a custom off-road golf cart. Keep in mind that Stephen was only 15 at the time, so even if he had kept that 4Runner, he could not drive it anywhere. The golf cart was then traded for a much more expensive dirt bike. The dirt bike was traded for a street bike, and then Stephen traded that for a series of boring cars, ending up with a sweet 1975 Ford Bronco. Had we had been Stephen, we probably would have stopped there, as it does not get much better than an old Ford Bronco. However, by the time he acquired the Bronco, he was of driving age. After enjoying it for a while, he decided to mix things up and go for a Porsche. I'll show you a picture of Steven Ortiz. Again, 17-year-old uh, from California, traded up an old cell phone, traded that up for an iPod Touch, traded that up for a MacBook Pro, and, and, and up for a series of dirt bikes and golf carts. Finally gets this thing. Now, I don't know how he did it, but my guess is, if you're anything like me, you're wondering, like, I would love to know how to do something like that. That's pretty impressive, right? Well, guys... There's a lot of interesting uh, observations we can make about that, that article. But, uh, but bottom line is this, like, why did I just share that with you? Because I think that God wants us to trade up too. But I'm not talking about flip cell phones, and I'm not talking about MacBook Pros or cars. I'm talking about our dreams, our aspirations, our objectives, our goals in our life, our, our life ambitions. And so that's kind of my heartbeat throughout this series, that, that we would see that, that our dreams are kind of like, is kind of like a cell phone. And the dreams that God has for us, it could be more like a Porsche. So that's kind of my hope that we would be open to the possibility that what if, what if our dreams were too small? What if our dreams were not big enough? What if God had something 
far more beyond our imagination, far more beyond our creativity or our innovation. That's my prayer. That's my hope for you guys. I want more for you. God wants more for you. And I am so excited to dump, to, 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 to uh, jump in. I don't know why I couldn't say jump. To jump into this series for, for the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, let me just say this, that uh, I, don't, I don't know everybody in this room. I know some of you guys. But as I look around this room, I know that, uh, here's what I do know. I know that we all share a one common denominator. And that's precisely this, that we all want to give ourselves to something. We want to have meaning in life, right? We want to have a cause. We want to give ourselves to something uh, we want to give ourselves completely and utterly to something. So that begs a good question. What is it that we're going to give ourselves to? I just want to say that, that I believe that our lives are not random. I think God has strategically and sovereignly placed you where you're at for a reason. I think that there, it's not random that we're all in this room here today. And so I just, I just want to encourage us as we uh, kick off this series to, to be thinking about, think of it this way. So so all of us have dreams. Some of us, maybe if you're my age, maybe you're a college student or you're a young professional. Uh, maybe you're in college, you're trying to climb this academic ladder and you're trying to get a degree. And maybe that's, maybe for you, that's your dream. Maybe for some of us, um, we're, we're, it's a career-driven dream. Some of us, we're climbing uh, not an academic ladder, but maybe we're climbing um, the corporate ladder and we want to we wanna get that promotion, right? And others of us, maybe it's something like family. We want to provide for our family. We want to give security and have a, a safe family and a good neighborhood. And, and whatever your dream is, everybody, all, we all want to have significance, right? We all want to have a cause. We all want to have a meaning. And so I know at face value, maybe that's, maybe that's kind of a broad concept. So let me, let me shrink it down for you a little bit more. Let me get a little bit more specific and think of it this way. Let me ask you this question. What is the thing in your life, what is the thing in your life that if you had that thing, not only would life be worth it, but you would be worth it? What is the one thing in life that if you had that, you'd feel like not only would life be worth it, but you would be worth it? It's your own little definition of utopia, your own little slice of heaven, your own little slice of paradise. You think to yourself, if only I had this, then my life would be worth it. If only I had a spouse, then my life would have meaning. If only I had that job promotion, then my life would be utterly, utterly complete. If only I, my family was safe, if only whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, you fill in the blank. What if I told you that that good thing was just a good thing, but it wasn't your everything? What if I told you that that good thing was just your good thing and not your everything? Now we're starting to wrap our heads around what it means to trade up for something bigger. So that's my prayer. That's my hope that throughout this series, we would be open to the possibility that God has something bigger for us. What if all dreams weren't created equal? What if our dreams were not big enough? What if God has something bigger for us? What if God has a bigger and better vision for you and I. Well, that's what trade-up is all about. So that's my hope throughout this series. There's a lot of examples of this uh, happening. Some of us, we may not come to realize that there is something bigger and better that God offers us. And, and it may not hit us until we reach um, kind of a turbulent point or something disturbing happens in our lives. And uh, there's a lot of examples of this, but we see it in movies and we see it throughout history. Uh, let me just ask you this. How many of you guys are Star Wars fans? Am I the only one? Okay. I'm, re- I'm really looking forward to that movie coming out soon. So I grew up in a Star Wars family. We were, we were all about Star Wars. 
Um, and, and if you're not a Star Wars fan, I'll pray for you. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, there, there's a point to this. So think of it this way. Han Solo. Here's a guy who uh, George Lucas describes his character as a guy who is kind of a loner in space. And then he, he came to find what it meant to be a part of a group for the common good. Here's a guy who's just kind of flying around with him and Chewie and his Millennium Falcon. And uh, he's just trying to make money. He's just trying to pay off a debt, right? He even says, if you were with us during the, the money series, we used that clip, the bumper video, where Han Solo is just like, I'm in this for the money, man. And then eventually he realized that there was something of, of such more significant value that he could give himself completely and utterly to. He realized that he could trade up. He, he grabbed a hold of the magnitude of what trading up was all about. And he traded up, uh, he traded up monetary value for a monumental vision. What he did was he realized that instead of just making money, instead of just making a couple bucks... He's like, I can save the galaxy from an evil tyrant. He's like, this is something so much more, so much, so much more significant value to give myself to. And so he traded up. We see this happening. If you're not a Star Wars fan, maybe this is a better example for you. Think of it this way. Veterans Day is coming up soon. Here's a World War II example. In 1993, they came out with a film. Maybe you're vaguely familiar with it. It is called Schindler's List. Oscar Schindler Here's a guy who, was, who could, who could uh, grasp, uh, understand, and comprehend the magnitude of trading up for something bigger than himself. Here's a guy who was a German industrialist. He owned uh, enamelware ammunition factories. And instead of, uh, instead of just making money, see, here's the thing. During the time of war, you can make a lot of money if you're the one that makes the bullets. Here's what he did. He hired over 1,200 Jews to work in his enamelware ammunition factories because he, he wanted to save their lives. He realized that he could be a part of something so much bigger, so much more significant than just, than just taking the time that he was given on earth to just, to just make money. He said, I want to I give myself to something more. And so he traded up. He was able to, to, to comprehend and understand that life is, is, is for much more than something like that. Now you're starting to understand what trading up is all about. See, a lot of us, we think... We think that uh, the Christian life is, is all about sacrifice and, and no rewards. And um, yeah, I think, I think I believe that, that a lot of us, here's what, we fa- here's what we fail to miss a lot of times, that the sacrifice of the Christian life is for something of significantly more value. We just fail to see it in this life because it's nothing that we can see from any human vantage point. And that's, that's, what, that's what the gospel is all about, Get, giving our lives completely and utterly to something of significantly more value. And, and it may not align with the way that we think uh, from a human vantage point. Think of it this way. I love the way C.S. Lewis, uh, um, Lewis put it. I'll, I'll share this quote with you, open the PowerPoint. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. You see what C.S. Lewis is saying? He's like, it's not that our desires are too strong. It's that our desires are too weak. It's not that our desires are too strong. It's that they're not strong enough. Think of it this way. I love the way that... uh, the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 1. He says it this way. Uh, we could put that up there. 
Um, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped the created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. What's Paul saying? Well, what he's getting at is, is basically this. He says, for a lot of us, we, we worship the created thing instead of the creator. The problem with that is precisely this, that created things make terrible, terrible gods. Think of that thing I asked you about earlier. What is the one thing that if you had it, not only would life be worth it, but you would be worth it? For some of us, maybe this is happening. Maybe th- think of it again. What if, what if you get a spouse, okay? That's a good thing. You want to make that good thing your everything? A spouse is going to make a terrible, terrible God. Ask anybody who is, I'm not married, but if you ask people who are married, they'll probably tell you that's not the way to think about it. Another thing, when we're climbing the corporate ladder, a job promotion, it's a good thing. We want to support for our families, right? We want to put food on the table. We want to be a good parent. But if we make that job promotion and that corporate ladder, that's a good thing. But if we make that good thing our everything, it's going to make a terrible, terrible God. See how that works? Guys, we want, God wants more for us, I believe. I believe that if we can wrap our heads around this vision of trading up for something more, then it'll have profound implications in our lives. So throughout this series, we want to we talk about three opportunities to trade up. And um, there's more than three, but we want to talk about three for the sake of time. And so today, today's message is trading up short-term loss for long-term gain. Trading up short-term loss for long-term gain. And before we dive in, um, I want to pray for us. I just want to ask God to, to kind of be with us, lead us, and guide us. And uh, I just, I just want to be able to serve you guys to the best of my ability. So let's pray. God, thank you uh, for these people in this room, God. Thank you that you have, a, you have a cause for us. You have a meaning for us. You have a purpose for us. We have significance on earth. Lord, thank you for these people that they would give their Sunday morning to investigate the will for our lives, God. I thank you for them. I thank you for, for how you've created them with, with each of their individual personalities and how you have a vision for their life. And uh, Lord, we thank you for that and pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, guys, um, we're going to be going to Philippians chapter 3 on page 819. Um, again, today's message is titled Trading Up Short-Term Loss for Long-Term Gain. Um, so let's go there, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. And if you are somebody who is, uh, uh, you don't have a Bible, we always say, go ahead, take one of ours. We'll make that a gift from us to you. And if you're kind of like a, a digital person, you have like an iPhone or a smartphone, then you can go to the App Store, type in Grace Ohio, and you can get the Grace Church app. And uh, you can get, it'll, it'll uh, if you tap on the live tab, you can get to the scripture that we're in today as well as take notes. And so as you're going there, let me kind of tee this up by saying this. We're going to uh, kind of get a window into um, someone's trade-up story here today. And uh, his name is Paul. Some people call him the Apostle Paul. And, and really, this guy is a, kind of a, a religious rock star, if you would. Um, he, he climbed a ladder too. His ladder that he climbed was a religious one. And uh, he's going to kind of give us a window into, into how he encountered the risen Christ with his, with his trade-up story. And um, so we're going to be breaking in at verse 4. So break in with me, if you would. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, I, if someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, 
As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Let me just like kind of pause there real quick. What the Apostle Paul is saying, he's, he's showing us his religious credentials. He's like, guys, I'm, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I was circumcised on the eighth day, the tribe of Benjamin. Why share that with you? Well, because he wants to show that he's like, some people are going to tell you that in order to be right with yourself, that in order to be right with God, that in order to be right with the universe and the people around you, that you're going to have to do all these religious things. And he's like, that's not true at all. He's like, I tried that. I did that. I went farther than them. They're playing JV ball. I'm playing pro ball. He's like, I'm telling you, that way is empty. That way is hollow. That way is dry. But watch what happens next. Paul continues. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Let's just pause there a second. I want you to notice a couple things from verse 8. Number one is this. If you take that word garbage and you shove it back into the original language, you get the word scubula, which means animal excrement. It's just kind of a cute way of saying crap. It's just cow dung. Secondly, it's really important to know, right? Secondly is, is this. He uses that word everything. Paul uses the word everything. It says everything. Everything and anything that you would try to use to make yourself right with God, to make yourself right with the people around you, to make yourself right with yourself, with the universe, anything and everything that you would use, and you compare that to knowing Christ Jesus, he's like, that's complete and utter garbage. He's like, it's a waste. And see, here's the thing. Some of us, we're doing that with beauty. Some of us, we're doing that with knowledge. Some of us, we do that with social status. Some of us, we do that with athletic ability. Some of us, we do that climbing the academic ladder, the corporate ladder. We're doing this with good things. We're doing this with terrible things. We're doing this with everything. But he says everything and anything that you would use, compare that to knowing Jesus. He's like, that's garbage. It's waste. Guys, let me share you a window into my trade-up story. See, when I was 18 years old, I had a dream. And my dream was to be a famous rock musician. I know that sounds really cliche. But um, you see, I'll never forget when I was 18, I had my high school graduation. And I had enough money to get my dream guitar amp. And I spent a couple thousand dollars on that, which wasn't a big deal at the time because that was my dream. And that was the ladder that I was climbing. And that's what I wanted. And so as time progressed, fast forward a little bit. I discovered that, um, you know, trying to pursue that lifestyle, being a rock and roll musician, kind of comes with, with stuff. And uh, kind of lived that lifestyle, that rock and roll lifestyle a little bit. Got into drugs, started taking drugs. Drugs started to take me. You guys know how this works. The amp that I spent a couple grand on, sold that for a fraction of what I paid for it. Took that amp, bought drugs, found myself in a really desperate place. Really dark place. Really turbulent time in my life. And then I discovered the hope of Jesus. And it was at that moment that I discovered something so profound, something so staggering. I discovered the same thing the Apostle Paul discovered. Ready? I discovered that anything that I would take and compare to knowing Jesus Christ was complete and utter garbage. It was a waste. Animal excrement. That scuba, bro. No thanks. And so my trade-up experience kind of looked something like that. 
And um, so why, why share that with you? Well, I ended up going to Bible college and, um, you know, full-time ministry, pursuing that. Is that what I want you to do? I think, I think some people should do that. But I think if everybody was in vocational ministry, the world would be a really scary place. And so I think that the bottom line is precisely this. Ready? Any dream that is not rooted in Christ turns into a complete and utter nightmare. Any dream that's not rooted in Christ turns into a complete and utter nightmare. We see this happening. Some of you today, even as I just look around the room, you can identify with this all too well. Some of you and the people you know, your family, your friends, your coworkers, some people you know that are hurting, you know that they're caught up in that rat race, that any dream that's not rooted in Christ turns into a complete and utter nightmare. And so we see this all around. We see this in, in history. We see this in movies. And uh, there's so many examples I could share with you, but I'll share a couple with you. Um, in the 1981 film Chariots of Fire, this was like eight years before I was even alive, but uh, it's such a good example. Chariots of Fire, this guy, his name is uh, Harold Abrams. I want to quote him. He says this. He says, I will raise my eyes and look down that corridor four feet wide ten lonely, with ten lonely seconds to justify my whole existence. Notice what he says, but will I? I don't know if you know Harold Abrams, but he was uh, an Olympic runner. And so he's basically saying, when I win a race, he's like, I'm terrified to even win because I don't even know if it justifies my existence. There's another example, uh, Jim Carrey, he's in a lot of movies. My guess is you're familiar, he was in Liar Liar and, uh, you know, movies like that. Stuff that good Christians don't watch. Um, He says this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. What is the Apostle Paul saying? What is Harold Abrams saying? What is Jim Carrey saying? Well, I think they're all trying to say the same thing. We made it to the top and it was a complete and utter nightmare. And that's, that's the bottom line, you guys, because, again, my hope for this series is that we would be open to the possibility that our dreams are just way too small and that God wants so much more for us and I want more for you. And so that's kind of my hope. That's my heartbeat. That's my prayer throughout this series. And, um, but I think it begs a really good question. How can we make sure that our dreams are rooted in the right thing? Well, notice what the text says in verse 9. Paul continues, he says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Now, if you're a person that writes in your Bible, I would encourage you to circle that or underline that when he says, I want to know Christ. So we're going to come, come back around that later. It's going to be pretty important in what we're talking about today. He says, I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. Notice what he says. He says, Christ Jesus took a hold of me. See, I think for a lot of us, we think the Christian life is something that we just kind of pick up. We're just like, you know, I thought about playing guitar. I think I'll pick that up. You know, I thought about making spaghetti. I think I'll pick that up. There's a good recipe on Pinterest. You know, I thought about, I thought about decorating like that for Christmas. I think I'll pick that up. You see, Paul's like, no, 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 no. He's like, the Christian life is not something that you just simply pick up. He says, Christianity picks you up. And when it picks you up, 
you are so enthralled, you are so captivated by the love of Christ and knowing Christ that, that you just want to completely, utterly give yourself to it. And you want others to become a part of that too. He's like, Christianity is not something that you pick up. It picks you up. He continues on and he says this, Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I love this. I read a commentary and he says, Paul uses two participles. And I don't know what a participle is, but it sounds really cool. He basically says, he's like, he's using like athletic imagery. So this would have spoke really vividly to Paul's readers in Macedonia and, and, and Peninsula. Um, not Macedonia, Ohio, um, Greece, or Middle East. So he says that would have spoke vividly. That would have spoke vividly to Paul's readers at this time. But he's saying he's like I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm straining towards what is ahead. And his straining, he's talking about physical straining as well as mental straining. He's he's it's very uh, fixed concentration on what this goal is ahead of him. And he continues. He says. He says I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Notice that word prize. What is the prize? Well, we already read it. It's in verse 10. Let's go back to verse 10. You'll notice it says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. Participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And not just knowing about Christ, because it's really easy to know about God he says to know God, to know his presence, even in the midst of suffering. He says the truth shining out no matter what, which cannot be, a, it's not always a pleasant experience, is it? He says to know Christ, not just to know about him, but to know him. Because before Jesus went to the cross, he prayed to his heavenly father. In John chapter 17, let me share this verse with you up at the PowerPoint. He said, he says this. He says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That was Jesus' prayer, that we would know God, that we would know him, not just know about him, but to know him. God says, you want to know me? I love the poor. You want to know me? I love the orphans. You want to know me? I love the widows. You want to know me? I love people who struggle with addiction. You want to know me? I love the marginalized. I love the disenfranchised. I love the social outcasts. He says, you want to know me? I'm the good shepherd. I lay my life down for my sheep. You want to know me? I became sin for you on the cross so that you might become the righteousness of God. He says, you want to know me? I'm the lamb. I took away the sins of the world. You know, that's the heart of God. Not just knowing about him, but knowing him. Knowing, knowing his presence, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of the hardest, darkest hours of our life, that's knowing God. And when we see people whose life is an utter wreck, we don't think to ourselves, that person needs to get their life together. We think our heart breaks for them. That's the heart of God. That's, that's knowing Christ, not just knowing about Christ. You see how that works? Paul continues on and uh let me just say first that when we can get a hold of this vision of trading up god's dreams become our dreams 
God's aspirations become our aspirations. God's goals and objectives become our goals and objectives. And the things God gets excited about, we get excited about. And the things that break the heart of God will break our hearts as well. That's how that works. Now you're starting to understand what trading up looks like. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you have us as a model. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. I love when Paul says in verse 16, he says only let us live up. Let us live up. He uses the Greek word stokeo. It's this idea of, of, of soldiers as they kind of march in line together. It's this idea of community. And if, if you forget everything that I say today, if you forget everything I say today, remember this, is that when we pursue Christ individually, he draws us together corporately. When we pursue Christ individually, he draws us together corporately. And we can accomplish far beyond our imagination, far beyond our creativity, far beyond our innovation. When we pursue Christ individually, he draws us together corporately. That's my dream for you guys. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for our campus. So guys, it'd be pretty easy to just kind of close shop there and um, say, that's it. Just get on a plane, move to the Middle East, get flogged and persecuted for the gospel like Paul. It's pretty easy, right? Well, I, think that, I don't think that that would be a very helpful application, in fact. I don't think that's really where we live and breathe. So let me, let me show you some ways that you can trade up, even this week. Let me show you some things that you can do even this week. Middle schoolers and high schoolers, you want to trade up for something bigger? God has strategically and sovereignly placed you where you're at for a specific reason. Your life is not random. You have a purpose. You have a significance. You have a meaning. Those people that you sit next to and brush shoulders with in your middle school, in your high school, God wants you to be the hands and feet of Christ for them. God wants you to be ministers of reconciliation to them. He wants, he wants you to be for them when they're hurting. Here's one thing you can do this week. Invite them out to an all-youth night. Just invite them out. Say, hey, come into this home youth night. It's going to be awesome. It's one thing you can do this week. Moms and dads, you want to trade up for something bigger? Your, your life is not random. God has strategically and sovereignly placed you with the spouse that you're with, with the kids and the family that you're raising, in the neighborhood that you live in, so that you could disciple your family, so you could spiritually invest them, so that you could spiritually lead your wife and love her the way Christ loved the church. So that wives could allow lives to, uh, husbands to lead them spiritually. The, the, the neighborhood that you're in, God has strategically and sovereignly placed you there. You want to trade up for something bigger? Invite your neighbors to dinner sometime this week. Just go over and say, hey, we're having ribs at my house. Just make sure that you have ribs at your house. <laughs> That's, that's, that's just something practical that you can do this week because I, I don't think, you guys, our lives are not random. God has strategically and sovereignly placed you where you're at for a reason. Young adults and college students, you want to trade up for something bigger? 
God has strategically and sovereignly placed you on your college campus so that you can reach your fellow classmates. In those classrooms with your professors, God has placed you there, the people that you brush shoulders with, so that you can can pull them out of darkness. Here's one thing you could do this week. Invite them out to a young adult central gathering. Just invite them out. That's one practical thing that you can do this week. I know for myself, I'm a single dude. I'm a young college student. It's so easy to think that life is lived in a destination. In fact, I think a lot of us do this. We think that, oh, well, once I get that, then I'll start to do the work of the Lord. Or once I get that, then I'll start to do that. Live the life you've been given today. Don't just exist. Start living. Give yourselves completely and utterly to something that will echo into eternity. Don't work. When, when we get to heaven, no one's going to care how many friends you had on Facebook. Nobody's going to care what you posted on Instagram. No one's going to care about that stuff. No one's going to care what kind of hood ornament you had on your car. No one's going to care how many commas you had in your checking account. No one's going to care. You know what's going to matter? The, the lives that you affected for Christ. The people that you shared the gospel with. That's the stuff that matters. That's the stuff that echoes into eternity. I wouldn't be standing here doing what I'm doing today. I got a call from a mom. Her son is addicted to drugs, you know? And he was 22. This is the same age I was. And, you know, if it wasn't for somebody who came into my life, I wouldn't be standing here today. Guys, don't miss this. This stuff matters. Give yourself completely and utterly to something bigger. This stuff's important. That's my hope for this series. I want to invite the band to come up now. And, And as they get settled in, I just want you to imagine with me, if you would, imagine what this would look like if this became a reality in our lives. If we were to trade up and exchange our dreams for something bigger. If we were to think, if we were open to that possibility, what if my dream's not big enough? What if God has a bigger dream for me? Am I willing to be open to that? That's my prayer for you. That's my hope for you throughout this, the, the ensuing weeks to come. And uh, let me just say this. If you're somebody who is uh, a little bit apprehensive, maybe a little bit timid, maybe feeling a little bit skeptical, you're like, I'm just not really sure about all this. I want to encourage you to come back next week because we're going to talk about another opportunity to trade up. We're going to talk about trading up human striving for a healing savior. We want to talk about why following Jesus is not about trying harder. I encourage you to come back. Some of you, quite honestly, the best place for you to start is to trade up today. And just say, you know what? I'm going to put a stake in the ground and I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give myself completely and utterly to his mission because I want to know him, not just know about him. And I want Christianity to pick me up. And I want to be excited about the things God's excited about. And I want to have his goals. I want to have his aspirations, his desires. I want my heart to break for the things that his heart breaks about. So that's my goal. That's my hope. That's my prayer for you guys. So I would encourage you to come back next week as we continue this conversation, trading up, exchanging our dreams for bigger things. Let me pray for us. The band's going to play. And as they do, I just want you to think again. Think about that one thing that if you had that, you feel like not only would you be worth it, but life would be worth it. And just, and just ask yourself this. Is this dream big enough? Is this dream big enough? I just encourage you to do that as the band plays. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you so much for uh, 
given us a, a cause, Jesus, given us um, a dream. Lord, thanks for giving us meaning and a significance in life. Um, Father, I thank you that our lives are not random. Lord, thank you that you have strategically and sovereignly placed us where we are at for a specific reason, God. Lord, thank you for giving us the opportunity to trade up for something that echoes into eternity, God. Lord, I pray for the people of Medina East. God, I ask that you would lead us and guide us throughout this series, God. I ask that you would open our hearts to the possibility that maybe our dreams aren't big enough, that, that maybe not all dreams are created equal, and that maybe, just maybe, you have something beyond our imagination, beyond our creativity, beyond our innovation, God. Lord, help us to be willing uh, to be open to that. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.